0: Of Philemon, or Philemon, if you want to use that <laughs> expression as well, than one which is right, but <laughs> Philemon, fine for me. Philemon, or oh Philemon. His name is very peculiar, it's, it's true to his character because it's his name means loving one. So, Philemon was a loving one. And he demonstrated that to Jesus' Christian life. Is it nice this morning that we worshipped in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? And we were blessed in our worship. And particularly when we have those times of silence, when there's such a peace and rest in Christ and what he has done for us upon the cross. So, this is a very short epistle, it's one of the prison epistles of Peter. It's a very personal letter to Philemon. It's a very sensitive letter to Philemon and it's got in it a lot of pleas for a a man named Onesimus who was a slave, a slave of Philemon and this slave had probably robbed him and fled to Rome. And Onesimus finds himself in Rome and we don't get the circumstances of it but he came into contact with the Apostle Paul and he was saved by the Apostle Paul so he went a 1,300 mile journey from Colossae to Rome to get away from Philemon and his slavery to be free and he was sent back by Paul <laughs> with Tychicus with a letter to the Colossians and also a letter to Philemon. So he's made the 1,300-mile journey backwards, but as a Christian. And the wonderful thing, as a Christian now, it is absolutely transformed Mrs. life. Absolutely. His name means, and Paul uses it as a word, play on his name, his name means... Um, profitable. Now he's become profitless, as far as Philemon's concerned, because he's the other one is useful, but then he became useless. But from useless, he's come back to being profitable and a very gifted and beloved brother that he's mentioned in the Epistle of Colossians. So it's all about this runaway slave. So when we're talking about slaves here in the New Testament, it also brings up an issue, doesn't it, of slavery in the New Testament? And you'd be surprised to hear that the New T- Testament does not condemn slavery. And we'll think about that later. Yes, it, it tells slaves what to do. Slaves will become Christians. They are to obey their masters, etc., etc lots of things are there but it does not condemn slavery as such. Now slavery ended about nineteenth century in this country, but we still got modern slavery to this day still going on and in the assemblies we don't hold class or any form of distinction doing its brothers and sisters. In the Lord Jesus Christ, loving one another. So that's the background to it. So I'll just read to you the whole chapter, all 25 verses. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, and fellow labourer, unto our beloved, the fire, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I'd rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in times past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him that is in mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, That thy benefit should not be its word of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldst receive him for ever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, and how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself if he hath wronged thee or oath thee aught, put that on my account I Paul have written it with my own hand I will repay it albeit I do not say to thee how thou oast unto me thine own self besides yea brother let me have joy of thee in the Lord refresh my bowels in the Lord Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow labourers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So this epistle has been called the polite letter, and it is polite, it's got a lot of love, it's got a lot of courtesy in it, and that's one of the manifestations of a Christian, isn't it? We should be courteous, we should be loving, we, we should be polite to people. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just part of what we are. He calls himself a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's his badge of honor, isn't it? And the way the Lord works in his providential ways, his governmental ways, Paul was now in prison. But, like, the benefits from Paul being in prison was that he wrote all those wonderful epistles from the prison. So, that was of the Lord, wasn't it? Because then we've got these beautiful epistles that we read. Which teaches so many things. And we've got that from Paul in his prison experience. A bit like John in the Isle of Patmos. Yes, he got that wonderful revelation. And that's been revealed to us in the Bible. Wonderful. So he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother. He mentions Timothy. And he mentions Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. So we're going to look at the character. Of Philemon, We're going to look at the character of Onesimus. And we'll see lots of lovely things regarding them. He also mentions, he, he addresses a woman, a fire. And most people believe that a fire is Philemon's wife. Now why is he addressing a woman? Because he's not usually addressing a woman in the opening salutations. He's addressing woman because in them days, women were organizing the households so they had a great important part in organizing and she would be upset about the slave, Onesimus who's run away from them so she would be concerned about this so Paul is including them both which is very very sensitive of him to do that and very wise of him to do that because they're going to have to send Onesimus back And it says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace means inner calm and spiritual well-being. There's a lot in that little verse. Spiritual calm, spiritual well-being and calm. In the NHS these days, uh, all the NHS throughout the country, since, particularly since covid we all do now appraisals, which we've been doing for a long time, but they've added to the appraisals now of health and well-being of staff. <laughs> so, every now and then, now you get a one-to-one with your manager, or you get an appraisal with your manager. They're always bringing up, "How is your well-being? You know, are you okay? Are you stressed? Can we anything we can do for you?" Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Everyone I go to has said, "I'm fine." There's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> they have to ask now yes they have to ask well-being. but it's more important spiritual well being if we love one another and we care for one another and there's a big emphasis on this epistle in love yes we should be loving one another caring for one another and love is a wonderful thing isn't it it says of Philemon here hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. His love to the Lord Jesus Christ first, because he loved the Lord Jesus Christ so much, his love to all who belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm sure Philemon and Aphia, had the church in their house, which is interesting, we'll talk about that in a minute, the church in their house. Uh, no doubt Philemon may have gone to those services in the house as a slave. Might have took, wouldn't have took part probably because he wasn't a Christian at that point. But I'm sure in the, in the context of slavery, you could have bad masters, you could have good masters. And I'm sure Philemon and the fire would have been good masters, yes? You'd have been well looked after Philemon but he still wanted his freedom. So he left. And I'm sure they would have desired the salvation of Onesimus because they were Christians. And they would have been praying for men like Onesimus to be saved. That's what Christians did in them days. So he says, I thank God for making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards Lord Jesus and toward all saints. So Philemon's faith and Philemon's love is now well known right across to Rome. Yes? So this man has a very good reputation of being a loving man and refreshing the hearts of believers. And he says that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in us, in Christ Jesus. So the communication of his faith was effectual, which means it's active and it's powerful in action. Yes? It's not just words, it's love in action. And that's important for all of us here, isn't it? When we love one another, it's love in action. And he says, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Now isn't that lovely that this brother is refreshing the heart of saints? Do we do that with one another as well? We do. It's nice when we can refresh each other. A little word here and there, conversations here and there. The teaching of the word, we can refresh brothers and sisters from the teaching of the word. It's a wonderful thing to have to be able to refresh brothers and sisters. And he says, "Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin you what is convenient." So Paul is saying, "Look, I'm an apostle here. I could really command you to take Onesimus back." But he says, "I don't want to do that. He'd rather, for love's sake, he'd rather beseech Philemon." And he beseeches him as Paul, the aged, and also prisoner of Jesus Christ. So that gives us a mental picture, doesn't it, of Paul in prison, as now aged. And that comes to us all, folks, doesn't it? Sorry to mention that. But we're all ageing and just waiting for the Lord to come so we don't age anymore. But until he does, we're ageing. We are aging can not stop that process. So he's he's having these pleas. he's, He's pleading to Onesimus. And he's putting such a case to Onesimus that, you know, this brother, he can't help but accept all that Paul is saying, can he? Taking it all in. For love's sake I beseech you. He said, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. So he's got to Rome. He's found out with Paul. He's been saved by Paul. He's been such a blessing to Paul while he was there that Paul was a little bit reluctant to send him back. But he says, no, no, we have to do the right thing. No, he belongs to Philemon. We have to send you back. That's the right thing to do. Even though Paul would say, I'd love to have him stay with me because he's been such a blessing to me. But he's sending him back, out of courtesy, and the right, doing the right thing. And begotten is such a wonderful thing, isn't it? It means if you've ever brought a soul to salvation... What a blessing that is, yes? If through your, the Lord's used you to bring a soul to salvation. That's fruit to the glory of God, isn't it? Fruit to the glory of God. You have been the human instrument in the impartation of spiritual life, that which means begotten. And Paul says of the complete Corinthians, doesn't he? I have begotten you. The whole family of the Corinthians, Paul's fruit of glory. Wonderful. Um, I know I've brought one person to the Lord Jesus Christ for definite. I know, that's, and one, not much is it, but one soul is in glory because of a testimony made to her. I'm sure others get influenced by what we do at work and everything else when you think of Paul, he was bringing many sons in the Gospel. And he says of Onesimus, in times past he was to thee unprofitable, but now he's profitable to thee and to me. So Onesimus is now profitable. He has a life-changing experience as he's now saved. Whom I have sent again, therefore receive them that is in my own bowels. This strange word bowels, isn't it, comes up quite a few times in Philemon. There's one reference in the book of Acts which actually refers to bowels as what it is, which is your intestines, in here, yeah, that's your bowels. <laughs> and that reference is to Judas, when he hung himself, his bowels fell out. Yes, not very really nice, was it? <laughs> But what it means in the Hebrew language, Bowels means the seat of tender affections. That's what it means. So we're talking about love again, aren't we? It's tender affections and love. And receive him in my own bowels. So Paul is saying to to Philemon, receive him as you receive me. You know. Refresh my heart in that matter. He said, I've retained him with me, in, that in thy stead it might have ministered to me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind I would do nothing. Thy benefits should not be, as it were, a necessity, but willingly. He didn't want to compel Philemon to do it out of his, you know, putting pressure on him, making him do it. But he just wanted him to, to want to do it, to be willing to do this. Because Anismus is such a wonderful brother now, and he says these lovely words. For perhaps he's therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldst receive him for ever. That's a nice expression, isn't it? And that's for eternity, isn't it? Anismus is in eternity, not now as a servant, but above a servant. Even though he's a slave a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So he's now profitable in the flesh, which is normal working, and in the Lord as a Christian. He says, if I have wronged thee or ought thee ought, put that on my account, written with my own hand I will repay it albeit I do not say to thee thou owest unto me even thine own self besides this is a wonderful expression this, isn't it I will repay it the doctrine of imputation in Paul's book there's two accounts one under the name of Anisimus, and one under the name of Paul One that was for Onesimus, however great his sin was, Paul was saying, or what he's done, transfer that to my account. But he then reminds Philemon that Philemon is actually indebted to Paul because Philemon's been saved by Paul. He has a great debt towards Paul. So Paul reminds him of that very cleverly. Uh, And therefore the debt is (laughs) cancelled. It's very clever, isn't it, the way he's done it to bring it all to pass. But it reminds us of our Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it? When he died on that cross that we've been thinking about this morning. The great debt of sin that we have has been placed upon our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ has lifted our sin forever out of the sight of God. And it's no longer imputed to us. It's a wonderful expression, isn't it, of love. And I was thinking of this Thou owest me thine own self besides. How much do we owe? to our Lord Jesus Christ, for our eternal salvation. As I quoted in prayer this morning, where the whole realm of nature mine, with an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And every time we sing that, it's such a challenging hymn. And you automatically reply to yourself in your own heart and say, "I'm nowhere near that. I'm nowhere near to what we owe him, for all his love and grace to each one of us." So it's a beautiful letter, isn't it? And it's it's lovely to read of this of this letter just going to relate to Colossians chapter 4 because Colossians is very needed here. Remember there's a letter sent to Colossi, And there would be two letters. One was to Philemon. I think that the letter to Philemon would be a private letter because it's speaking of a private sensitive matter. So he didn't include that in the Colossi epistle. We have the epistle here for us. So that wouldn't be included. And what he does say... In verse 7 of chapter 4. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother, and a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Wonderful, isn't it? The transformation of Onesimus and his life. Wonderful. So this is a private letter gone to Philemon. So Colossae epistle uh, Ephesians, the Colossians don't need to know really this about the runaway slave, but the church in Philemon's house, they would have known about it because they probably knew him So the letter's gone to the church in their house. Now this is very interesting, isn't it? In the early days of the Christian church, it's the the truth of the one body of Christ. Christ, the head of the church, and the truth of the one body. And these Christians, Acts tells us in the first place, these Christians first gather together in Solomon's porch, and then there was thousands of them start to come to it. And that's where they were meeting, in Solomon's porch, gathering together in that porch. And obviously as time goes on, thousands and thousands of them getting. they are going to have to spread out a bit, aren't they? And there's going to be, when persecution came in, they would be scattered. But that's where they, they first met. That was their place of meeting. Now when you look around the world in places like Colossae, Thessalonica, there might not have been very big buildings that they could have. It's not like we've got here now. You have gospel halls all over the place, haven't we? It was the church at Ephesus, the church at Jerusalem, the church at Thessalonica. So if you're going to send a letter, where do you send it to? which is interesting, isn't it? And in these modern days, we have what we call denominationism. I mean, these denominations, I was talking to a Muslim, and he was asking me a question at work, and he says, I don't understand, he says, you've got all these churches in England, and they've all got different names. He says, I don't understand that. He says, a Muslim, it's a mosque. Said, wherever you go, it's a mosque. If you go here, you've got Baptist Church. You've got strict and particular Baptist Church. <laughs> so they're very strict and particular, I take it. <laughs> you've got Pentecostal Churches, United Reformed Churches, Presbyterian Churches. And the list goes on, doesn't it? And you could see why this Muslim would be confused about well, what does all that mean? Now, these believers... There were some in Colossae who were meeting together. There were some meeting together in Philemon's house. That was where they they were assembling together to remember the Lord. So they were spread out in different places. And cities get very big, don't they? So we have here in the area of Gateshead, do we know how many churches there are in Gateshead? Do we know how, how many assemblies there are in Gateshead? brethren assemblies no. <laughs> no but what they'll be doing if they are gathering together uh, faithful to the Lord and the Lord's presence with them they are maintaining the truth of the one body of Christ it's a local expression of the one body so we are a local expression of the one body of Christ but we're spread out yes same what happened here they're spread out there's a wide range so they'll be meeting in different places. Aquila and Priscilla. They came together in their house. Yes. Nymphos in Colossae. They came together in his house. So lots of meetings taking place inside believers' houses. But no doubt as time goes on, they might buy property and find a place to, to worship together. And even today we see it, that people are hiring out different venues, aren't there, to meet the Lord in. haven't got a specific building themselves. So that's that that thing there. Now we'll come to the the, the issue of slavery in this book. I'm just thinking again of how much we owe the Lord. We are bought with a price price of his precious blood. Therefore, how that should impact us. Glorify God in your body. And we should be thinking about that. How much we owe and how much we should be giving. So let's think about Timothy then. And let's find Timothy. If I can find it. 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's all about exhortations, the principle of exhortations to believers. So, chapter 6 says, Let many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honour, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. So, if we've got Christians here who are under the yoke, they are slaves to a master they are told not to want freedom, they are told to worthy give all honour that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And if they have believing masters, so this is a possibility as well, masters can become believers as well as slaves can become believers. If they are believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort. Now we've got these same principles today. We're not slaves today. We I know what slave means a bondman. Servants, slaves, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus says I call you more than that. (laughs) I call you my friends. So here they are Uh, and they have to do these things that they're being asked to do. Don't despise them because they are brethren, but serve them even more so because they are the lords. So in the current workplace today, we'll all have bosses in the current workplace, don't we? Unless you don't go to work. (laughs) We have bosses and we are accountable to a particular boss. Uh, and therefore, as Christians, we should do our work to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in principle and to serve your boss and what your boss tells you. No talking back to your boss, really, is it? It's just, I want to do this. And I've told you before about, I was, I was the boss once, <laughs> and I would talk to my colleague, Becky. And I would say, right, Becky, I need to do this, this and this for me, yes? And she would just turn around and say, I'm not doing that. <laughs> She's not a Christian, so that we'd expect that from a non Christian. But from a Christian you would expect, fine, I'll do my best job on that for you. Yes. And present it. So that's what it means. And then there's other ones, isn't there? Ephesians. Vision 6, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service or men's pleasers. That means, you know, you've seen this at work, haven't you? You're not very busy. The boss suddenly turns up, suddenly you're busy. Yes? As soon as the boss is gone, you're not busy. That's what it means. <laughs> which a Christian should not be doing. <laughs> yeah. With thy service, as men please, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord, and not to man, knowing that whosoever good anything man doeth, the same shall be received of the Lord, whether it be good, or bond, or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, Neither is their respective persons with him. So, again, masters who are Christians, they would have the responsibility to treat their servants very well. And that would be expected. And you just want to back it up with Colossians as well. Same principle in Colossians. And it's chapter 3, verse 22. Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of your inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So in all those verses it does not condemn slavery. It tells those who are slaves or those who are masters what their responsibilities are to give glory the Lord Jesus Christ the most important thing of this book of Philippians isn't it is, is love love to one another love one another Jesus said as I have loved you that is a very high standard isn't it now we are blessed here in assembly which has kindness which has courtesy which has politeness which has love for one another, and that's a great blessing, isn't it? That we have that. And the examples, and that all comes from our love to the Lord Jesus Christ first, and then to one another. But how much do we owe the Lord Jesus? I'm going to end with this three-five-six in the. Believer's hymn book. Demands my soul, my life, my all. 356. When this passing world is done, when has sunk young, glaring sun, when I stand with Christ on high, looking over life's history, then, Lord, shall I fully know. Not till then, how much I owe. When I stand before the throne, Dressed in beauty, not my own, When I see thee as thou art, Love thee with unsinning heart, Then, Lord, shall I fully know, Not till then, how much I owe. When the praise of heaven I hear, Loud as thunders to the ear, Loud as many waters' noise, Sweet as harps' melodious voice, Then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. Chosen not for good in me, wakened up from wrath to flee, hidden in the Saviour's side, by the Spirit sanctified. Teach me, Lord, on earth to show, by my love, how much I owe. moral question, isn't How much do you love? The Lord Jesus Christ. An expression the Americans use, isn't it, when they say, I love you, and the expression of the Americans is, I love you more. Don't ever do that this country. <laughs> it's pretty nice, isn't it? Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank thee again for the word of God and how it teaches us We thank thee we are a local expression of the one body. All over the world there is Christians gathering together. Some we don't know, some we've never heard of, but all gathering to thy name. We thank thee again for our gathering together to thee this morning and the presence amongst us, thy presence we just thank thee now for our fellowship together and we will give thanks for that which has been provided we will continue in fellowship together and we give thanks for that fellowship in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Amen